We're delighted to be joined by Andrew Sennett, proprietor of Grove House Stables LLP and iPegasus Community Interest Company. Thank you so much for taking part in our Strangles Awareness Week, Andrew. We really appreciate it. Andrew, you've sadly been um, victim to this terrifying disease twice, I understand. Um, can you talk us through your personal experience of Strangles and, and what it was like to get confirmation that it was Strangles? Well, firstly, I'm really pleased to be able to support this campaign because both me and all my team here at the centre feel very passionate about making people aware and also speaking out about it and also breaking down some of these um, barriers to be able to deal with this devastating and life-threatening disease for our horses mm -hmm. because anybody that's in the horse industry goes to it for love of the horses and horse welfare at heart and it is such a traumatic disease and having had this on our yard with it uh, twice within the last eight years it is a big physical mental emotional and financial hurdle that we have to we have to now gather together as an industry and do something about and uh so I'm really behind um, trying to get this out there. Thank you. And what was it like, as I said, when you received confirmation that it was strangles that first time, what, what went through your head? Fear, devastation, I cried. And then I had to then go and tell my team who were worried about obviously the horses that they work with and they love but also on their financial situation and whether that whether our business, to be brutally honest, would be able to stay in business and whether their jobs were secure. And mm. also the, the perception that the clients would have of our organisation. And so, yes, it is a huge hurdle to overcome. Mm. When you received when you received this confirmation, obviously, absolutely, the situation was devastating for all of those reasons. And the other thing is treating a horse and caring for a horse with strangles. That must be a, a, a terrifying situation in itself. What's it like to care for a horse that has strangles? The logistical factors are huge. I mean, I have well-qualified team and... Um, and now I have uh, an ex-veterinary nurse as my um, yard manager, and she has done the most amazing work. Without Sam and, her, and the team here at the centre, um, we would not still be in operation. Um, because it is a very much, uh, very, that seahorses in distress, but also being able to have the, the maturity to be able to see when horses aren't showing the signs, but you have to do the biosecurity. And the biosecurity isn't easy. It's difficult. People find it difficult to understand. And when something is not an, an apparent uh, in the eyesight of the individual immediately, sometimes they're, oh, well, it's, it's only strangles. I'd say it's only strangles. You really don't know what you're talking about. Um, so it is, it's a, a, it's a commitment, but it's also 
looks like an unending commitment as well. And that tiredness of just physically looking after horses with the strangles, the abscesses are revolting. Sam one day was treating the horse and the abscess burst. And so she was covered in this foul stuff. And if anything goes out to people out there to say, we've got to break this horrible disease, it's the picture of that gunk and that smell and, oh, it's just revolting. I mean, she's, a, she's an ex-vet nurse, so she's used to dealing with those sort of fluids and things, but it made her almost physically sick, you know? So, yeah, big challenge. And you mentioned the, the biosecurity challenges. What steps did you put in place to help manage the spread and, and how effective were these? Right. Um, both times uh, we have taken advice from vets and also industry. And the, on this second time, um, we, we had worked with a biosecurity plan, but the problem with bios the original biosecurity plan um, was actually that it was not operationally um, possible to do without right. having a separate iso complete isolation yard. It wasn't possible to do. We are now in the process of re-engaging our biosecurity plan and looking to the process and putting very, very strong um, steps in place, but it is a huge undertaking and, and it can't be just something that is signed up to and forgotten. That's something that's going on forward. The problem is, again, if somebody sees a biosecurity going in, and though we've had the advantage of sadly dealing with the pandemic, so people understand a little bit about circuit breaks and stopping um, infection and uh, conditions, um, it is still, people see that horrible word strangles and immediately the keyboard warriors are on, so-and-so's got strangles. Well, sometimes it's actually, they haven't written this, read the sign to say, we are we are supporting Strangler's Awareness Week. Mm. Mm. So again, it's getting that viewpoint out there. It is education and it's what I call real horsemanship. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there, really, Andrew. I think it's so important that we kind of remove any stigma associated with speaking out about it and reporting it and putting in place biosecurity. Is, is that why you feel it's so important that you speak out and continue to speak out? Absolutely. I think also, as a proprietor, I would say, though I've had help from the industry um, Governing, uh, governing body, the British Horse Society. We're uh, been a approved centre for over 30 years with the British Horse Society. Mm. Um, I feel the, the isolation that me as a, an individual feels as a centre proprietor is so huge and the mental effect of this, I feel that's why we have to have a peer networking strategy to be able to talk to people and to get consistent and easily understood information across and to deal with some of the myths about strangles which by the time they've gone out have impacted on to your 
business and your livelihood in a huge impact. Um, and also to get people to um, talk more, embrace, and also recognize that without the um, horse world supporting commercial organizations like ourselves, equestrian centers, riding schools, show centers, etc., um, we won't be there for their activities. We won't be there to train their grooms. We won't be there to train their next coaches. And that is how simple it is, you know, because when it comes to the cold, hard facts, that it will impact on financial structures of your organisation. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely. You've you've mentioned the impacts and the impacts it had on on, on you, not just as a business, but you personally. And I, I think that's really key to it. You know, you personally, your team personally. I personally myself um, was it had second well worries about having even a discussion with yourselves and putting it out. And then I thought, Andrew, somebody has to stand up and stay. And and also being open about the, the, the emotional and the mental health issues as a proprietor. I mean, it takes you to the edge. And so we've always had a very transparent, open policy. And we've been supported by our clients and the local the horse community have been amazing because we have said, this is what's happening. This is the steps we've taken. We want you to be aware of it. We are not hiding anything. We want people to become aware so we can break this. A circuit breaker is necessary to stop it. And we've got to do something. No, that's, that's so true. And were there, did you receive any support from unexpected sources? I mean, did you feel supported? You, you mentioned, obviously, that there needs to be more support from within the industry. But did you personally receive support from any other areas at that time? So with the first, with the first um, strangle situation, yes, we had support um, um, from professional bodies. Right. I had amazing support. Um, from Neil Grimshaw at Ravenhall Risk Solutions because ironically um, about a year before we had our first strangles um, outbreak uh, I had been working with Neil on, on a business interruption policy that covered strangles and because having had the centre at that point for, uh, for over 20 years it had been always my fear that we would get strangles. Um, and however much you do, um, you only need that one contact point. Mm -hmm. So Neil was fantastic. His organization was fantastic. Obviously the financial uh, um, support was, was, was great. Obviously it didn't replace all of our losses, but it enabled us to keep our staff employed. It enabled us to do the things we needed to do to keep the health and well-being of our horses and the veterinary intervention. So that was vital. Um, having come to uh, second uh, strangles, in ironically, in the pandemic, when we hadn't got horses coming in and out, so finding exactly where it had come from, and we think it was somebody passing uh, one of our horses in the uh, the fields 
and uh, had had an interaction with one of the horses. Um, it is so. It is. It, people are now more aware of what a infectious condition can have to life. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, so we be we were doubly locked down. So real impact. Yeah, real impact. And do you think that there's anything that the that the British Equestrian or the British Horse Society could do to support centres? more in this situation you mentioned you had support for them but is there anything that you think that they could really do to to help i feel there are uh, fundamental things that we have to address as a horse world in general we have to recognize and we have recognized in the pan covid pandemic the importance of interaction and equine intervention and the opportunities for communities to recognise the value of riding centres and equestrian centres. So it's vital that they are there, but we've got to make sure that we are relevant to the modern world, so we are supported. So we've got to be fundamental in our communities. Um, we've also um, got to um, look at ways of making people not afraid to talk out and speak out. So we've got to look at mechanisms to support uh, financially and emotionally and physically centres going through the strangles process to be able to put a circuit break. So when, I mean, I have always done the right thing. We've shut down, we've isolated, we've gone to the nth degree, put in biosecurity. But now I feel the cases that the horses at, at the moment on on a national basis, they're not regarded as an agricultural animal. They're not regarded as a domestic animal. What are they regarded on? Many, many years ago in my grandfather's day, um, the horse was an agricultural animal. So, it, and strangles was a reportable disease. That meant the Ministry of Agriculture was involved in it. These days, it's not seen as domestic or agricultural. However, it's vital in our community that we have access to horses. So I think the British Equestrian and the horse world in general and the uh, veterinary associations should help and set up some sort of uh, fund similar to the, 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 the excellent fund that the British Horse Society did for the Hardship Fund to actually help and support uh, centres in being able to deal with an outbreak, putting in a circuit break. And I know that's something that is really supported by our insurance brokers as well. And also, as far as the biosecurity is concerned, is how to develop a biosecurity plan that is able to be put in operation that individuals and the general public understand and recognise the reasons behind it and be able to keep it in and keep it going. You can't just have a biosecurity process one moment and then stop it next. It has to be a 24-7, 365 days a year process. And that's where it is hard. And that's, but I feel the horse industry has to now wake up and smell the coffee and say, we've got to do something.
And just my final question, what advice would you give to other centres if, if they're in this situation? Uh, talk to the professional bodies. Um, talk to other proprietors. Talk to people like myself and say, how's it, how's it been? And, you know, I was very fortunate. I spoke to quite a few friends, um, having been a proprietor for a number of years. And some friends said, oh, how awful, how dreadful, oh, we do feel sorry for you. But then other people said practical things that could act, you could actually do. And that support. And one of my um, best friends actually just rang up sort of two months into the process and said, how are you doing? How are you really doing, Andrew? Um, how are you feeling about it? You, do you want to just have a rant and rave about it? And that was great because it actually said, because I had to be the figure point of our organisation and I had no release valve. And that was great. So we have to come together as a community. We care about horses. We care about how our industry is perceived by the general public. And we have to do something now. Would you also encourage them to speak out? You've said you've been honest and yeah. up front. Speak out, talk about it, and also uh, be prepared for people are, when they understand things, will want to ask questions. And if you can't answer their question immediately, get back to them and give them an answer don't just leave them in the unknowing state because the fear factor is awful for people. The fear factor is nearly as dangerous as the disease itself. Thank you, Andrew. That's been so interesting, helpful and informative. We really, we really do appreciate you taking part in our awareness.